Welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everybody. Today we are discussing Sorcerer's Stone Chapter 9, The Midnight Duel. I am your host, Madison. And I am your host, Rebecca. Welcome to the halfway point, more or less, of the first book. It's wild to be here. Alright, so I think you put our chapter summary best when you said flying, duels, quidditch, fluffy, and that's it. What more do you need? It's gonna be great. It's a great chapter. It is. It's a fun chapter. This is. This felt like, like when you go to like a, I don't know, like an outdoor event, like a festival, the kind of stuff we can't do right now because <laughs> of, you know, things that are happening. <laughs> but you know, you go to a really good carnival or a state fair, and you like, you're walking by stuff, or you're like, I like this booth. I like this booth. I'm gonna go on this ride. It just felt invigorating and heart fueling that's weird because this was like never like a chapter that stood out to me before but i think now just like looking so deeply into the other chapters i'm just like oh that's great (laughs) nothing nothing bad's happening there's no snape in this chapter (laughs) no thank god (laughs) it's it's just good it's good like we have filch but like we can handle filch right filch got peeves to deal with filch like it's good I feel like Filch is just a, like a, I don't know, he doesn't, he's not always nice and he doesn't always do good things, but somehow I can excuse his behavior in a way that I can't with Snape, so that's fine. Well, because like Snape's been given everything and he (laughs) just doesn't care, whereas Filch is like struggling Uh (laughs) and he's doing his best and yeah, he's a little grumpy, but I would be grumpy too if I was dealing with these kids all day. I mean, mm. if I had to like be the person cleaning up after Fred and George's pranks, like I'd be grumpy. <laughs> right. And I don't know. Sometimes I get the impression with him that when he says like I'm gonna string students up by their ankles, I I I just feel like you gotta play into the role a little bit if you if you know people think about you a certain way, it's like, alright, let me have some fun with this. That's- yeah. Well and cause he can't you know, magically deal with things, and he's right. got to make sure that they, there's some level of respect of him, some level of like, okay, we gotta, we gotta <laughs> not get it, not get on his bad side, you know? Right. Because then you just have a bunch of students like the Weasley twins who will be <laughs> disrespecting you all day long. <laughs> yes, every day of the week. <laughs> I love them, but man, they get Filch a hard time. <laughs> I think it's concerning how often I identify with grumpy old men. I I am with you. Yeah. <laughs> just the older I get, the more I'm just like, these kids. Like, ugh. Jeez. Get off my lawn. <laughs> in six weeks, I can say that. Not can we yet. just sit in your front yard and yell at children? Yes. Yes, we Perfect. can. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Throw eggs. Not at the children, just in general. Just in their general direction. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> be like, trick or true, be like, trick eggs. <laughs> just give them eggs instead of candy. That's the trick. <laughs> you know, whenever my sister went to college, I used to just, like, send her things on Amazon that I could find in, like, grosses. So, like, just, like, 144 items. <laughs> 
And one time I sent her like a gross of um, little rubber um, fishes, like these little tiny toy fishes. That apparently smelled terrible. They smelled like really cheap, like rubber plastic. And um, they'd had a whole bunch of leftover Easter eggs. So they just put them in Easter eggs and hid them all around campus. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Like, I can't remember what else I sent her. I sent her 144 toothbrushes one time useful though like oh, you know those little lip things that you like blow on them and it's like a little whistle thingy but it's like a dumb whistle <laughs> yes yeah those. <laughs> those amazing content it's good i never told her about any of them so they would just show up and she'd be like why why did you do this like what am i supposed to do this? as a good sister should though yeah well sometimes yes. i just send her like a giant thing of toilet paper which is actually useful yeah College oh, students don't know how to buy toilet paper. The prepper in me is like 144 toothbrushes. Yes, please. Exactly. Like, so, I appreciate <laughs> your kind gestures, your gross gestures, one might say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so gross, filch, flying duels, Quidditch, fluffy. That's chapter nine. <laughs> That's it. Yep. We have a. A mutual theme for Patronus Fuel here, which is how cute Detective Harry is, and yes. Rebecca has taken that a step further. Yeah, well, so my brain of seeing Madison's note about um, Harry being confident, figuring out that the package was Vault 713, I was like, um, I just thought, like, that he was being a little detective, and then I was like, Detective Pikachu, and then I just opened up Photoshop, and now Harry's Detective Pikachu, and that's my Patronus feel for the day. <laughs> Harry as Detective Pikachu is... Uh, but baby Harry. Very yes. important distinction. <laughs> little first-year Harry. Very small. Small boy. <laughs> um... Plus, it's perfect, because a lightning scar, and, like, Pikachu is lightning, like... Right. It's perfect. Harry Potter is Detective Pikachu. Just it's like so... Hagrid is Mary Poppins. <laughs> we're gonna have it's a perfect. Whole new we're, we're building <laughs> <laughs> It's like those like Facebook groups of like share this and I'll tell you what Disney character I associate <gasps> you with. Except it's That's... just like bizarre character. <laughs> Are we the algorithm? Yes. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> And Snape is what Mr. Darcy, or Snape should have been Mr. Darcy, but instead yeah. he's just Eric Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, like, they get, you know, they escape Fluffy, and Harry's like, oh my god, like, we just almost got eaten by a giant dog. But wait, Hermione's right, it was standing on a trap door. I'm put, he, he just, he puts it all together, he puts it together so quick, and... I just appreciate that and remember being a little kid and being like, oh, he's right. Oh, my God. And it's so what Can you believe that all of those clues about Gringotts being broken into actually was like part of the plot? Isn't that like, wild? <laughs> mind blown. Blown. Like, I thought we were just like spitting out details <laughs> about how cool the security was at Gringotts Bank. <laughs> A child noticing bank security. <laughs> there were some nasty things in this chapter. There weren't as many as usual, um, but they were there. And mine is something that's, it's more that it's not in the chapter. Um, 
in something, maybe an interview or whatever, J.K. Rowling said that initially Dean was supposed to be a part of this wild journey at midnight, and he was cut from it. And while, you know, J.K.R. is a toot, so of course the black character was cut from the main storyline, it's just really disappointing because Dean is a super... He's a super great character, and the backstory that we don't really get in the books um, that you can just like find out if you like look it up online, it's really interesting and like adds a really complex, like juicy layer to his character that it just adds so much. It adds so much so that you are reminded that there are people besides the Golden Trio who were affected by what's happening you know, with the like, the bigger picture stuff with Death Eaters and the Wizarding War. Um, it's just a nice, you know, glimpse into somebody else's life who is affected by this. And it's bullshit that his story was cut. And it is doubly bullshit because he's a black character. And uh, there's not nearly enough screen time, or book time, page time given to black or any characters of color. So, err. Speaking of annoying representation Mm. um i don't like all of the stuff with hermione i love hermione and i understand that um having her be not everybody's favorite um serves as character development and it's a real realistic like representation of like you know like boys and girls fight when they're 11 you know like boys are gross girls are girls are jerks or I don't know whatever but like it's just unnecessary and it sucks because she's so smart and she's so excited to be there and she's so like excited to represent Gryffindor and she wants to do well she wants to get um points and everything and she's just constantly being told to like sit down and be quiet and she's not making like any friends and it's just very very sad especially because um like for younger girls reading the harry potter series like hermione is pretty much all you get as far as like developed characters Mm -hmm. like later on we get um luna for a little bit we get a little bit of Ginny in the books but as far as like full characters that we can actually like you know read into a little bit more hermione's all you get as far as female representation here and like pretty much everyone whenever you went to like book premieres or anything everyone dressed as either harry or hermione (laughs) (laughs) like there's a few other costumes but everyone was harry and hermione (laughs) and so it sucks that for her to be somebody that so many people um felt represented by and that so many people connected with that she was you know being told to be quiet and being disrespected and being ignored because she was smart and because she was excited to be there and it was it sucks and I can recognize that you know there was reasons behind it but it doesn't make me like it anymore no it's it's like you said it's in some ways it's a little too real yeah. like this is the experience that many many people have growing up and I'm 
I don't know that we could even begin to scratch the surface of this, but I'm wondering like how these kinds of like social rules, how like the gender binary reinforces this, like in a world with more um, progressive, flexible, accepting ideas about gender would, you know, would this kind of situation be able to be avoided or prevented or at least adapted in a way that wasn't so potentially permanently harmful? And it's it feels like a huge question, but... Yeah, I mean, it's very stereotypical of the smartest one there to be kind of the annoying one as well. And mm-hmm. it's... I mean, it's not uncommon for women to be told to be quiet and to, you know, not be as excited about things and not be as emotional about things. And it's just being older and looking at it now, it sucks that when I was a kid, I was reading something like that. Yeah. Because I didn't think about it this critically, which means that it was more subconscious at that point. Mm -hmm. And like... That sucks, because I feel like that probably made me, like, look at kids and be like, oh, she's a know-it-all because she's, like, acting like that. And Hermione wasn't being anything that's worthy of, like, the disrespect that she got. Like, Mm -hmm. she was excited. She was... I mean, like, if you were 11 years old and you found out that you're a witch and you could do magic and you're going to this magic school, like, I think all of us would act like her. We would all be like, let's read as much of these books as we can. Let's do, let's practice all this magic. Like, it's so cool. And I feel like just because all these other kids are just like, play it cool. Like, it's whatever. I didn't read the books. Like, (laughs) that doesn't mean that Hermione should, like, downplay how excited she is to be a witch because that's super cool. Yeah, let's, you know, people should be allowed to be excited about things and don't be mean. (laughs) Don't be a jerk to children. (laughs) Just just stop. (laughs) So for Accio Fandom today, in my search, I came across something from the wonderful folks at Black Girls Create, which is the real house students of Hogwarts and it is a we're going to link to it and you should please please read it because it is a wonderful like reality show style script that's like a it takes all of the black students and they're in the black student union um and it's it's just so it's so funny and so well done where they have like they're they're at the Black Student Union and Blaise Zabini wants to step down from being president. Um, And they have the confessionals like you see where they go and they're like, can you believe what she said to me? I was shocked. And so you have Dean saying like, what in Merlin's scratchy five o'clock shadow in the the confessional? And it's just so, it is so well written. Um, I believe that... um, Bayana Davis wrote it, who is on the Wizard Team podcast. So please go check it out. There are multiple episodes. Um, I think there are, there may be up to like eight episodes or something, um, but they're written down. So uh, definitely give them a read. They're really well done. And it's awesome to see 
so many black characters represented. I think they even wrote in um, Alex Johnson, who I believe is a sibling of Angelina Johnson. So delightfully creative. Um, It will make you chuckle and bring you joy in this dark, dismal day. (laughs) So definitely give that a read. Yes. Our next segment is Department of Social Justice. So talk about some of the issues that we have here at Hogwarts in this chapter. Um, My main issue was that we are providing, creating a random unnecessary vault for a friend's item rather than prioritizing the safety of all of the children who are here because it is a school where children live. But no, let's put a three-headed dog and then some other super dangerous things to protect this rock that like people would literally kill for. Let's do that. Sounds like a great idea. In the middle of a boarding school. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. This is a great idea. Dumbledore's done it again. (laughs) This is the first time I like looked at Dumbledore and thought about like he's doing this just reminds me of Slytherin building the Chamber of Secrets. Like (laughs) this is you're putting not just Fluffy but like a troll. Yeah. And uh, it it's just this is He's using the the school as his own political tool, but not in a way like, of course, schools are political. But this just yeah. feels like this this feels unethical. <laughs> yeah, it's very um, like on one hand, obviously, it should be protected because if Voldemort gets it, then he can like come back, and you know, then everyone's dead, and who needs a school anyway? But I feel like surely we could have put that weird vault protection thing that we had with Fluffy and with all the charms and things we could have put that like I don't know like in the Shrieking Shack or something right. where nobody goes like why did it have to be in Hogwarts it didn't like Nicholas Flamel is almost 700 years old you know they decide and he's fine with getting rid of it in the end so right. like <sighs> this just created because some dude didn't want to let go of the power <laughs> <laughs> the like immortality yeah, that so many people had to suffer coral died for this and like you know he wasn't always yeah. a great person but still he died that's i mean he was possessed by voldemort so like we don't know how much of that was actually him and how much of it was like kidnapped basically right. like when you're when you're working with somebody like voldemort half the reason you're doing the shit that you do is because even as a ghost baby he could obliterate you yeah. So, you know, not doesn't make it okay, but it does, you know, have to feel like there's a little sympathy that can be had, especially for Coral seemed like he was so naive and like I, I just I don't think he deserved the death that he got, and I think Dumbledore is partially responsible for that. So I agree. So house politics, just thinking about I was thinking a lot about how McGonagall, like, reacting to Harry, you know, flying and catching the remember all, and then kind of, you know, not exactly bending the rules, but definitely breaking precedent and having a first year on the team. I was just thinking about, like, how much of this is 
like is this Gryffindor culture like oh he's gonna be great for the sports team so like we have to do this you know is that is that a part of this is this just because there's this really intense Gryffindor Slytherin rivalry and McGonagall wants to win there's a there and the ways that this further you know eventually this creates further divisions between Gryffindor and Slytherin um because Draco probably perceives Harry as receiving favoritism and maybe he is a little bit but again like as I said before we started recording his parents were murdered so I think he deserves a little break um but yeah it's just interesting to speculate on like how house politics are playing into this uh, specific moment of precedent being broken I mean I think that Gryffindor is very much um at least within the fandom scene is like kind of like the jock house totally (laughs) so I can kind of see the Quidditch team being more important to Gryffindor than some of the other houses. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if this had happened with Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw, they probably would have been asked, like, hey, have you seen Quidditch? Do you understand that it's, like, super dangerous and you could, like, be seriously injured? Right. Before saying, you're on the team. <laughs> Do well or else I'm going to punish you. <laughs> you know what? I think that that's a conversation that... Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff probably, I think they probably get conversations about safety a lot more than Gryffindor and Slytherin do. Oh, I'm sure. Because Gryffindor is just like, be brave. And when you're telling 11-year-olds to be brave, it's not questionable. Yeah, because that can go down different roads. And then Um, they go through the trap door and almost die. Yeah, I mean, they're literally going through a series of things that were designed to keep (laughs) Voldemort out again these first years are like we can do it we're brave (laughs) we're brave therefore we are invincible it's it's so Lion King yes (laughs) and I think that with Slytherin obviously it's always about ambition it's about being the best and stuff so that is also similar culture of like it's important to to be better than the other houses so I think that that's definitely something that I don't see happening in Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw. Yeah. Like, I think that they're very into their sports, too, because, like, I mean, sports are fun. Quidditch is fun. Like, I mean, just listening to, like, like, if I love listening to the audiobook of the chapter where, like, the Quidditch games happen, because it just feels like I can just, like, picture it happening, and it's so, it's just really fun. Um, and then, like, watching on the movies is really fun, too. It's just a cool game. And if it was, like, actually happening and you were at Hogwarts, like, obviously you're going to be, like, a fan of Quidditch. It's super cool. Right. But, um, yeah. I think that, I think Ravenclaw, or Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff are probably a little safer about it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to continue speculating about house culture and how it creates the subtler ways that it affects the social world of Hogwarts, because... Quidditch is definitely a part of that, and sometimes sports are silly, but I don't know. I'm a Gryffindor jock, so I also like them <laughs> a lot, and there are really... You don't... Sports don't have to be obnoxious if you aren't obnoxious about them. Like, yes. that's that's the thing. Like, they, they're not the best, most amazing thing about humanity, our ability to throw a ball across a field, but... It sure is something that distracts you when you're feeling kind of sad. That's fair. For some people. Not everybody, and that's okay. 
<laughs> for chocolate with Madame Pomfrey, I'd say in general, this was kind of like a normal childhood school experience for Harry. Like, you know, he gets in a fight with another student. He joins a sports team. He's sneaking around. All of Harry's problems come when he's surrounded by adults and teachers and caregivers. Like, when it's just kind of him and the other students, things. Like you said, like, this is, this chapter didn't really stand out growing up. But here it's like, all right, this feels like the meat of Hogwarts. This feels functional. (laughs) This is like what you want when you're reading a book about kids going to magic school. It's like kids together doing magic and having fun and maybe fighting a little bit but it's all like for the good of things and it's just it's a pretty good chapter yeah we had a couple things of i mean neville our poor sweet neville um so last week he we talked about him um having trouble in potions class Mm -hmm. um which turns into quite a pattern for him unfortunately um but he already had to go to the hospital wing in the last chapter and then in this chapter he has to go again because he falls from what i think they said is like 20 feet in the air (laughs) yeah it's high up there which reminds me of like how um his uncle found out that he was magical was he dropped him out of a window on accident Mm. and he bounced down the hill which is so sad Um, what a sad connection point very upsetting poor Neville did not bounce this time and he actually broke his wrist um, which um, Madame Pomfrey mended in an instant which wouldn't have been nice if um, that had happened to Harry's dear neighbor but Mm -hmm. no she was on crutches for months (laughs) lots of like I don't know sometimes the use of like like you know sometimes you watch a video of somebody like slipping on a banana peel and you laugh but like People get really hurt in these books and because you can just wave your wand and fix it. Sometimes it feels like there are probably a lot of traumas that are brushed off because you can just fix the body. So you must be fine afterward. But I don't I don't know that it would work that way. Yeah, I don't know, because I feel like that would be so confusing because it would give you kind of a sense of being like. Like, if you did get injured and you couldn't get to somebody who could heal you, mm-hmm. it must be so frustrating yeah. because you've been raised by, like, in a school or by parents or somebody who could just take you somewhere, get it fixed instantly, and it goes away. And you don't have the pain anymore, and it's just magically cured and it goes away. So you're not developing, like, the skills that you would need to cope with, um illnesses or to cope with injuries and things which is something that um for some people is very important like Mm -hmm. if you have like chronic illnesses and things like it's something that you know a lot of people have to deal with and it it requires a lot of um emotional understanding and and sometimes therapy and things understand like it can be very difficult and we know that there are things in the wizarding world that can't be cured so i feel like by kind of brushing off these like injuries of like neville getting covered in this like horrible potion that injures him and neville breaking his wrist by falling from 20 feet in the air and just saying like oh well he's better now he's fine means that like later on if he were to like get bitten by a werewolf and have to take a potion every month like that would be 
more difficult because it would just be so confusing of, well, why can't we just make it go away? Yeah, that's so true. There is no, they don't have an ability to build like the resilience you need to face like the fear of, of your own body that some illnesses can create. He's a good, he's a very resilient kid. He is. He he goes through so much. And the fact that he consistently still does the right thing and doesn't just become bitter and cranky all the time, which I uh, would not blame him for, <laughs> speaks wonders to him. He's a sweet, a sweetie pie. <laughs> Speaking of wonderful characters. Yes. So let's talk about my mental health, which is desperately improved as soon as Oliver Wood enters the books because <laughs> he is... I don't know if it's just the Gryffindor in me, but I identify so strongly with his sense of like, wait, you found a seeker? <sighs> yes. And like, he gets, he's feral for Quidditch. When he's like, Quidditch has been canceled. Are you kidding? I I just, I identify with it so much. And um, yeah, so that's that's me. But let's talk about, Oliver Wood in the chapter, and the- so he has a very like unfortunate introduction. No, it's so awful. Um, it's the way that we're introduced to Oliver Wood is by um, McGonagall asking for him to be excused from the class, and Harry's initial reaction is thinking that Wood is a stick that McGonagall is going to beat him with. God. Which is so sad. It is. And it speaks so strongly to, like, his just, like, he's so convinced that he's going to be, like, kicked out of the school at yeah. any given time. He's so convinced that he's going to wake up and it's going to be a dream. And he's so convinced that he's going to be punished for, for things. And, like, yeah, he broke the rules here. And, yeah, he does something really dangerous. But, like, he, he for a moment truly thinks that he's going to be beaten. No. <laughs> like, physically. And that's very upsetting. The Hogwarts smelting stick. <laughs> no, that's... This isn't smelting, so we don't hit people with sticks. No, we just hit them with bludgers, I guess. But, but in, Without parent permission. <laughs> right? It's, you know, uh, there's context, at least. You know, it's not out of anger or a desire to correct behavior. It's just... It literally is just a game, even if it's a dangerous one. This is just, it's a sad little flash into Harry's mental state and don't, don't want that. I don't like any of the little throwbacks to the Dursleys that we get throughout the book. It is always just like a, no, don't, don't take me back there. I think this chapter starts out with speaking about um how Harry didn't think he'd, not thinking he'd meet somebody who would compare to Dudley as much, but um then he met Draco Malfoy, <laughs> which is interesting because we actually... We have been talking about in previous weeks how similar those two are. Yes. But, um, yeah, so he goes from one bully to another. <laughs> he does, and the only thing that, you know, Harry is thankfully equipped to deal better with Draco because of his experiences with Dudley, I feel. There is, that is the only bright side, I guess, that he's not. He's prepared to kind of, he, he doesn't seem as hurt by it as he does with the Dursleys. He's not as timid. Mm-mm. As is with the Dursleys. And like, yeah, he talked back to the Dursleys a few times. But with Draco, it's just like, <laughs> you can't say a word to me without me saying something back. You have no power here, 
duration. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, like, he's just like, no friends up here. <laughs> no crab and goil. What you gonna do? And Malfoy's like, what you gonna do about it? I don't know. Like, I'm gonna throw this, I guess. <laughs> and then guess Harry put on the Gryffindor <laughs> Quidditch team. I know. And we're, we're gonna see sassy Harry think... I, I love the next chapter, so won't even get into it, but it's going to be great. So diving into the Pensieve today, um, I am finding that I have been really enjoying reading the books lately and, um, and doing the podcast. I always enjoy, but especially lately with these last few chapters and, you know, we're halfway through the first book. And it's really odd in some ways to be finding so much joy because my perception of these books is so much more negative than it ever has been in my entire life. I have so many more criticisms. Um, I am, I have learned more. I am more educated. So I understand some of the problems that I didn't understand in earlier reads um, thanks to the work of people who are pointing out these problems. Um, I think a lot of it is coming from this kind of ritual of reading together um, and reading something we love, you know, I keep, I keep thinking like the real magic is the friends that we made along the way. And like something feels really true about that. This, you know, when you're reading a book together, like us together, but also for anybody you know, who's following along with us, there is something especially powerful about our ability to connect over a shared text. And I think that's a big piece of why my heart feels so full lately. I feel I connect with like literally all of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just like same. Um, big same. Like, big, big same. Like growing up, um, I was initially introduced to the books, like reading it with my family. And so like having reading it by being like reading it with you and then also reading it as part of like fandom community outside of like licensed bullshit mm -hmm. is very nice because it's a way to kind of not run away so fast from the parts that I have really learn from mm. in Harry Potter and the parts that have meant a lot to me because I think the reason that I feel so connected to Harry Potter is just because it's always been a way to connect with people um, that I like and so having it be something that I can read as part of this rather than something that feels tied to a terrible person who wrote them totally is very nice and it's nice to talk about all of the bad things about it and it's nice to try and understand what changed in the like 20 years between this book and now and it's just very nice to think about all of the things that we've learned in the fandom that have absolutely nothing to do with what um we've been told is canon and what we've been told we're supposed to believe we're yes. supposed to believe that Draco is unredeemable. We're supposed to believe that Snape is a good guy. We're supposed to believe that, you know, Dumbledore was gay all along, that she didn't just make it up in the end. And we're supposed to believe <laughs> that, like, all of these, like, little things that she came up with later on. And it's nice to just go back and look at what we were fans of as kids and what we grew up with rather than 
what we've been told now and what we're hearing from the person who's been talking way too much since the books came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, it feels so much like just taking it away from her. Yeah. And that's comforting because it feels very, it, it feels so bad to be like tied to Harry Potter sometimes right now just because of what's going on. Yeah. That to be somebody who's like promoting things about Harry Potter and talking about how much I love Harry Potter, that's so difficult mm-hmm. when Harry Potter is now connected to really truly horrible views yeah so it's nice to just be like well fuck all that i'm just gonna go back to 20 years ago when everything was nice and happy yeah (laughs) yeah and letting yourself like do that in a way that that isn't just uh like an ignorant escape you know yeah like acknowledging the issues is very relieving there's you know you're really speaking to my soul there when you get really absorbed in fandom culture i think it becomes really difficult to sometimes form your own opinions about the text at all and to mm-hmm. have an imagination about them um especially when the creator's word has been taken as law very seriously for a long time and so yeah I mean, like, look, whenever Cursed Child came out, there's so much battle about whether or not it was canon or not. Like, everyone yeah. was obsessed with what's canon, what's not canon. And it wasn't like, this is just a fun, cute thing to read, which <laughs> right. is what I liked about it. I was like, yay, more cute Hogwarts students, more cute magic. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all I wanted from it. But everyone was like, can't, can't, can't. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> this this doesn't matter. This is about... The real magic is the friends we made along the way, okay? Yeah, guys. <laughs> Which is the whole point of Cursed Child, too, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> like, Because nobody agrees with us. No. Here we are. We're going to Hogwarts, you and I, and uh-huh. everyone listening. This is our time at Hogwarts. We're not going to uh, ignore the problems around us, but we can still, we can still be somewhere we love with people we love. And we're going to kick out the bloody baron mm-hmm. and replace him with a cat and we're gonna kick out dumbledore because i think it's it's time for yeah. him to retire it's just time um who else do we, we snape's gone already because you know yeah which is he was he was but, never uh, <laughs> he's replaced with mr darcy yes oh my god can you imagine just mr darcy like in the dungeon like teaching potions Oh, he's man. like this is a morsia yeah, what's it smell like to you guys and we're just like, like this laundry room is getting warm like Come we're gonna get out of here <laughs> <laughs> like this is too real okay <laughs> anyways do you know what i also another thing i wanted to bring up yes in this episode was that we're still calling nick nearly headless nick oh, i know even though he specifically said that he preferred to be called sir nicholas um so just even 20 years ago, Jake Rowling did not care about Mm-mm. people being asked to be referred to as their name. If someone tells you that their name is Sir Nicholas, you better fucking call him Sir Nicholas. Yep. I don't care what you want their name to be. Unlike Harry Potter, there is a need to call him Sir. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. And you can join us next week to discuss chapter 10 halloween yay yay so excited so excited (laughs) (laughs) all right in the meantime you can follow us on social media on instagram and facebook 
are Beyond the Veil Pod, and on Twitter, we are Beyond the Veil MN. What would be worse, to give out, like, hard-boiled eggs or uncooked eggs on Halloween? I think uncooked is just mean, because then, like, well, first of all, they're just going to throw it at your house. But second of all, if they did put it in their bag of candy, it would break and just get all over their candy. That would oh, be sad. that would be nasty. Yeah, plus, like, salmonella, like, they can't eat any of that candy. No. When, so, it would be better to hand out pre-peeled, hard-boiled eggs in uh, humid plastic bags. Yeah, or just, like, <laughs> gross deviled eggs. <laughs> so nasty. Oh, my God. What about, like, Easter eggs, but just empty Easter eggs? <laughs> so that they think there's candy in it, and they're like, oh, that's fun, but mm-hmm. then it's just empty. <laughs> or just fill it with rocks so they think it's jelly beans or something.